Hello and welcome to the latest episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Today we are looking at uh, the episode Lady Hawk from Season 2. And uh, joining me to go through this episode is comedian, actor, and writer Eric Barnes. Hello, Eric. How's it going? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. Um, so yeah, you. Um, I think you originally contacted me because you you're you were a fan of the critic, correct? Yes, I really enjoyed the show when it first aired. It was. Um, I'm sure I'm, my experience is not unique with other people that have been on your podcast. Uh, in that I just uh, I was a Simpsons fan. This was made by Simpsons people. And I love John Lovitz, so, and I love movies, so it was an easy, it, it, it was easy for me, and I was all about that primetime animation, and still am to this day. Oh yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, I was had a pretty similar experience in the '90s. Like, yeah, loved The Simpsons. Didn't really get, I would say, maybe a, a lot of the movie references that the critic dropped, but. You know, that just makes it better to go back and revisit it when you're older. Yeah. I mean, it, the I think one of the, the good things about The Critic is that even if you weren't familiar with the pop culture of the time or you were too young to get the references like you and I were, that it was still funny enough on its own to, oh, okay, I get a laugh. And then eventually you're like, oh, okay, now it's even funnier. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely go, like, broad enough that it's still just funny on the surface. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, when I was 12 or whenever this aired, or 10, I honestly don't remember, right, the pop culture references. Like, even I didn't know at the time. It's like, I don't know who Tony Curtis is, but he's dancing weirdly against a boudoir post. So that's funny on a surface level of just the the way the animation worked uh so yeah and i don't even know if i had like seen saturday night live at this point when this episode was originally on i mean i probably had but i i was definitely not like you know a, a regular watcher or anything like that but uh yeah so let's go ahead and get into this episode um so I'll just read the synopsis here. Alice is jealous when Jay is courted by Jeremy's beautiful sister, and Jay finds himself in the unusual position of having to choose between two women. So, kind of a, I think, kind of a cliche, like, sitcom setup here, where, like, every, like, every woman just falls in love with the uh, main character. Yeah. The schlubby protagonist, yes. Yeah, and and of course, like, the guest star that week is going to have, like, a short little romance before they are just, like, shoved off the show at the end for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do like that they kind of, they expand Jeremy Hawk's character a little bit, because he doesn't really, there aren't really any Jeremy-centric episodes that I can think of on, on like, this whole series. Yeah, I mean... The critic, uh, please forgive me. It was only what two seasons, three? Uh, two seasons. Two seasons, yeah. So unlike its contemporaries, like The Simpsons and so on, they didn't really have enough time to really dive into the side characters. So yeah, this was very. It was a nice little glimpse into 
into that world, into that character's world, at least from the perspective of, oh, we need to somehow insert a woman in here. Here's a here's a here's a connection that yeah. we could just have. <laughs> we need a another impossibly beautiful woman to fall in love with uh, mm-hmm. Jay Sherman. Which is what happens in the the pilot of the of this series. The very first episode is a, a beautiful actress falling in love with Jay, and then they kind of, I don't know, they do that again here. Uh, but yeah, so as this episode begins, we are <laughs> we're on um, what do they call it? Yesterday Night Live, where uh, yes, J- uh, Jeremy is hosting basically an SNL ripoff, mm-hmm. and making fun of the the tropes of SNL. Which, if you look at the current cast, they've kind of fixed some of those tropes, some ish. Yeah, somewhat. Like there's like there's <laughs> two black guys instead of the one. Um, uh, no, like there's more persons of color and women, but it's not as it's it's a good it's a it's a fun like ha ha this yeah. is a problem. <laughs> like Melissa Villasenor said in one SNL sketch baby steps but i do love the the specifics they they nail here like they they do just like every sketch we see is just like a dumb character that has a really simple gag he's mr sweaty guy he sweats like a pig oh my when he gets nervous he explodes sweat squirts out like a fire hose he's mr sweaty Yeah, they really hit that hard throughout the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, he, he comes back. And we're kind of left wondering, like, is Mr. Sweaty Guy the character or is that his actual self? Is that his na- Is that a name? I Yeah, wh- who is he in the, the critic universe? I, I would have loved to have seen Mr. Sweaty Guy's, like, audition at UCB, like, trying to see Mr. Sweaty Guy do, like, five different impressions <laughs> yeah uh, it's just oh it's sweaty de niro yeah. <laughs> sweaty walk-in yeah at the time sweaty cosby uh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Ugh. but yeah i throughout the whole snl thing i i do one thing that i wish existed in real life was a hoot and holler sign at oh television yeah tapings <laughs> or even that awkward silence sign would be great be nice it would be nice (laughs) there needs to be more instructions for audiences to react yeah (laughs) have you ever um been in the studio audience for a for a taping oh i have i i have a couple of times you know because friends get writing jobs and you show up to help them uh get to a season two so they can recommend you for writing jobs (laughs) uh nice (laughs) it doesn't always work that way but <laughs> right but, but no, no yeah it's, it's it's good to it's good to support your friends regardless it's good to support friends regardless i i say that in ton of cheek <laughs> that is never that it's never happened and plus don't do that <laughs> uh <laughs> have you i have my first time was in college actually i was a screenwriting minor here in la so uh we went to a taping of it was a show that never made it to series, so I never actually got to see it on television. But it was like a, it was it was gonna be like Fran Drescher's comeback after uh, the nanny, um, where she like she was like a cougar who had like a young hot husband. Uh, so they were kind of doing like the reverse. So so the mommy, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, what was it? Co- God, what was it called? I can't even remember. It was so long ago. But, but I just remember the whole experience of like you show up early and you're there like all day. It takes them like six hours to film a, a 30 minute episode and you're just kind of exhausted and hungry by the end of it. You're exhausted. You're hungry. You, depending on, it depends on the show. Uh, you're either your hands are killing themselves because you've been clapping so much they become chapped, or uh, I I went to a pro wrestling taping that oh uh, that wasn't the typical you know typically pro wrestling is just shot live like a live show and right. all that but this particular taping was you know shot to present as for a Netflix thing and all that it didn't get picked up. But the taping itself was 12 hours. And being that you are a wrestler, you know, at a wrestling event, it's more than just applause and, you know, polite clapping and going, oh, or laughing. You are expected to shout and scream and yell and boo. And at the I I was booked to be in it, you know, for two 12 hour days and. Wow. My God, my hands were killing me from clapping. My throat was dying. It was it was a lot of fun. I got to see a lot of talented people that are actually making money now do the thing that uh, they do best. And it was a very great experience. But at the same time, it was at great sacrifice to my throat <laughs> that day. Yeah, they, you know, like no matter how many takes they do, they always say you got to laugh or cheer or do whatever just as hard as you did on the first take. So yeah. like when it's a, when it's a sitcom, like even if you thought it was a lame joke the first time, you got to laugh really hard at it. Oh the, yeah. No matter how many times. Uh, yeah. So they're, they are not shy about like getting you to do whatever they want you to do. So an awkward silence would have been nice if they wanted that. It would have been nice. <laughs> pensive. I, w- I would also accept pensive politeness. Oh just, yeah, <laughs> just sitting there and like, like it's not an awkward silence. It's it's more of just an acceptance of what's being given. Like yes, acting. <laughs> hmm. Uh yeah, that that'd be refreshing to see. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, um, talking about uh, supporting your friends, Jay and Marty are there at Yesterday Night Live to support uh, Jeremy Hawk. And we meet Jeremy's uh, sister, who also comes to the taping, um, Olivia. And, of course, Jay just falls in love immediately. Well, I'm a lucky girl to be sitting next to two such handsome blokes. (laughs) I wonder what she looks like naked. You idiot, you said that out loud. You better cover. I mean, uh, I wonder what she cooks like naked. Oh, nice going. Uh, So then afterwards, at the... Oh, they're at Lane Reach, the restaurant. This is where we first see Mr. Sweaty Guy outside of the... Um... We saw him backstage and get fired. <laughs> right. Ah, oh, poor guy. <laughs> but Oh, no, the sketch ran its course. <laughs> what am I going to do for... What if that happened for characters? Just... Um, well, I mean, I, I don't work at SNL. Maybe that is how it happens. Maybe it is. I don't know. Lauren just comes back and... Just tells them it's done. Um, but they actually they they also do kind of a fourth wall thing because we because um, the actual uh, uh, John Lovitz <laughs> appears. Dad, there goes yesterday night live alum John Lovitz. 
Make way, make way, you comedy peons. Famous movie star coming through. And I am carrying something you've never seen before. It's called Talent. Man, I wish I had half his looks. Well, you kind of sound like him. You think? Uh, I thought that was that was funny. Whenever the show breaks the fourth wall, it's pretty enjoyable. I, th- I think they also he also made fun of SNL itself in the sense like, oh, it's just the same joke over and over again. And then he himself did a John Lovitz uh, SNL reference by going, that's the ticket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the uh, catchphrases. Yeah, so little tongue-in-cheek poking fun at himself type thing. Yeah, SNL definitely went through a phase where it was just all like wacky characters that had a really kind of predictable game and just a catchphrase that they throw out every time. I don't know if it's a phase as much as it's a formula because if you really look at... I I haven't watched any modern SNL the last two years, but minimum two years ago, there there were characters of which it's like, okay, their joke, their thing is... The the game is this. Mm -hmm. And let's just beat the game to death for five minutes, even though we should have only gone three, and then we'll move on to the next one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's just the formula, I guess. Yeah. Hey, if it works, it works. I, yeah, (laughs) they're working, not me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we get to Lane Reach, the restaurant where Olivia and Jay kind of hit it off. Um, yeah, Jay kind of shares this tale of, of childhood trauma where it's, it's basically like the elephant man. So you see, gentlemen. This seven-year-old boy somehow managed to swallow a recording of barking dogs singing jingle bells. Poor baby. And everyone, because it's playing off that that scene from the Elephant Man, all of the people are either looking upon in horror or pity or a mix of both, like... (laughs) tears running down one man's face like oh that poor young boy <laughs> that christmas t- oh, song going through his belly oh man um <laughs> so good uh uh but then we get to basically jay takes olivia on a tour of new york i thought this was pretty good they, they kind of hit like you know they satirize new york like they are uh, wants to do on this show uh I, I like that the the uh, Chinese restaurant, when it sees Jay coming, they just immediately close up. The monster with many mouths. Yes. yes. It's, I, I, I had a love, I, this is, I, I think I, I do enjoy the critic, but you do have to kind of watch it with 90s vision, not just from a popular culture standpoint, but also, you know, I, 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 I think that some of the, some of the jokes are just like, okay, you're kind of, you're not poking fun at Asian culture, but you're kind of, kind of leaning that way. And same with all the other boroughs at, and um, certain ethnic parts of New York, diff- oh. different ethnic parts of New York City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no question. There's there's elements of this show that haven't aged well. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, anytime they make jokes about minorities, or yeah, a lot of jokes about women. I'm thinking of one in particular in this episode that comes a little bit later, but yeah, definitely things that haven't quite aged so well. So yeah, like you, you got to kind of, you know, take that 
yeah, with 90s vision, I guess, as you said. Yeah. Like, it's definitely a problematic fave, for sure. Yeah, and and the... Oh, I a little bit earlier, you know, before before Jay takes Olivia onto the New York thing, uh, to the New York tour, he struggles with asking Alice whether or not he can or should take Olivia on this mm-hmm. thing because he's kind of in a what are we scenario with Alice and Alice just like oh go on ahead and do it and he's like are you sure and she goes I said yes damn it and like oh that definitely means don't right, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah I mean that that's like the relationship between Jay and Alice it, it, it is a little weird because they establish in the first episode of this season that like they are attracted to each other so they they're kind of just I don't know, going through those, like, cliche, like, rom-com steps of, like, well, we can't just have them get together right away. They got to go through some sort of obstacle or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they got to do it. But I did enjoy the musical number that we get kind of at the end of this uh, sequence. The Basically, like, a parody of New York, New York. New York, New York. New York, New York. New York, New York. New York. New York, New York, a terrible town. The sky is brown and the water is brown. It was a fun hate letter to the city, especially since, you know, it was written by people that live there. Right. Uh, (laughs) Or at least uh, for for a time lived there enough to kind of just soak it in. I, for one, am a fan of uh, the Ulysses S. Grant vampire, and I wish that he would become a vampire in more popular culture things. And this is Grant's tomb. Who has disturbed Ulysses Grant's slumber? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we definitely need more uh, Ulysses S. Grant vampire. Um, I guess I... I, like, I've never been to Grant's Tomb. I guess I never realized that it was in New York. I never realized that either. Yeah. Seems a little weird because, I don't know, he's, <laughs> like, he was president. I guess I thought he would it would be in Washington, D.C. or something. One would think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't but, know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're proper Americans that don't know our history, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So they end up at a planetarium of all places. I I loved the uh, banner outside the planetarium. Like Star Trek, only it sucks, <laughs> which kind of harsh on planetariums. But uh... <laughs> yeah, especially since fans of Star Trek typically are fans of planetariums. <laughs> yeah, and right. People that and I've uh, barring the J.J. Abrams films starting a new a possible new generation of fans. I don't think that there will be people that think, Oh, oh planetary, like at the reverse of like, <laughs> I hate planetarium. Uh, I hate planetariums, but love star Trek. You know, that kind of, <laughs> that just feels backwards. To yeah. Me. I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know though. This is also where we get maybe another joke that hasn't aged so well with uh, Woody Allen and Soon Yi who are there at the planetarium for whatever reason. Soon Yi, I'm sorry. I just can't get past this problem with your age. You know, 22 is just too old for me. 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, this isn't this is not a critic centric problem. This is a oh that was comedy in 1995 or whenever it was. Yeah, uh, just the fact that everyone knew he was a creep and they just made jokes about it instead of like I don't know calling someone. Well, I I th- I think it's because at the time Woody Allen still made money on top of being quote unquote in quotes artistic genius. Right. Yeah. So they didn't want to <laughs> piss people off. So it was merely pointing out, oh, isn't it weird that he's marrying a person he raised as a parent as opposed to full on? No, no, he fucks kids. <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, what one implies the other and the other just says, no, no, that's what's happening. Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. Good but, luck. Good luck with the transition from there. Uh, <laughs> uh, ooh. Okay. Let's see. Um, well, speaking of, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, but back in the planetarium, Jay and Olivia kind of kiss for the first time. So this kind of just solidifies. Yep, they're gonna go for this romance thing. So that kind of takes us to the end of the first act. Back on Jay's show, he's, he's reviewing a, I guess, a sequel or whatever to Little Women called Little Men, starring Michael J. Fox, Dudley Moore, and Joe Pesci. Look at this. I'm here with the Keebler Elves. Why, you seem awfully hostile. You should see a shrink. Ah, ah, shrink. Ah. Oh, you think I'm funny? Do I amuse you? Do I make you laugh? I asked for two shots, but this is ridiculous. Ah, oh, God, I'd kill myself. Because, Brian, they're below average height. Right. Of it's course. funny. <laughs> they're, they're smaller than the, the stereotypically sized man. Yeah. <laughs> I ah. thought it was kind of wacky. <laughs> um, especially when Gary Coleman shows up and he's a giant. Yeah. It was, it was different. I, I, it. Pretty much, uh, whatever whatever you imagine those four actors to be, say for Gary Coleman, excuse me, because he just shows up and is large, right? But the but the other three actors, whatever you think the jokes they're going to do for that, they do them. Yeah, basically, it's pretty simple <laughs> premise. Uh, but after this, we get kind of the first i think real moment of of drama because olivia shows up and alice is there and it's just kind of an uncomfortable moment and alice basically threatens to quit the show yeah yeah she tries to make a dramatic exit and ends up in the men's room i guess for the little bit of levity in this scene yeah i don't know this is just a weird dramatic moment um not really a, a lot of those on this show yeah, I, I mean, it was it was good drama, but at the same time, it, again, 90s vision in the sense of like, well, you know, she said go ahead and you can't be mad at him for doing it because you said he could. Yeah. So stop. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> either, either say, I would feel uncomfortable with you you know you are a grown man that can make your own decisions but i care for you and i don't and i would like to see this relationship blossom or you're telling the truth and saying ah 
nah, we're we're just we're just fucking at work. Yeah. Which is <laughs> which I also don't recommend, but at the same time, you know Yeah, there's usually a policy against that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Company Inc. and shitting where you eat and et cetera. But, but yeah, that's but that's the thing that's troubling about this relationship at the start is he, you know, the question was asked, uh, hey, uh, what's the score here? And she gave the wrong score uh, or gave a score mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not trying to blame it on Alice, but the show is making me blame it on Alice. And that's the pr- and that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, it's, it's kind of that classic setup of, I mean, like, kind of, as you said, like, oh, if only these people could just be honest with each other, it would yeah. save them a whole lot of trouble. But it's also making the woman the, the problem. I hate oh, to use that mm-hmm. term. You know what I mean? In the right. sense of, it's like, ah, you know, dames, they say it's fine, but it's never fine. <laughs> Even when they say that it's fine, it's not. And then they go and they walk in the bathroom. Right. You know, that's... <laughs> Yeah, and they're always going to the bathroom together. What's that about? Oh, oh man, <laughs> do I have thoughts about airplane food? Ooh. <laughs> oh man, but uh, that I think this is the scene where it also we get the the other uh, workplace romance that is sort of going on that of between Duke and Doris. Poor kids, they're crazy about each other. If only they had the guts to say how they really feel. You're right. Duke, I've loved you for years. In fact, every 30 seconds, I have a hot, steamy fantasy about the two of us. Ooh, uh, I got to take this elevator. It's just an open shaft. It's quicker. You say workplace romance, I say sexual harassment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does kind of uh, um, cross that line, I think multiple times yeah doris just aggressively hitting on her boss also the head of the network a supposedly very rich and powerful man and just just really going for it and poor duke just wants uh none of it uh, to the point at which he goes down an, an out of order elevator shaft oh yes yeah just to just to not be in the same room as this person Eesh. um Oof, that's yeah. a problem uh, we're going to get more of that throughout this episode. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I like that they just gave Doris something to do in this episode. I'm I'm a big fan of her character. I, I like Doris a lot. I really do. I just, uh, there, there are other options. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> there are other stories than, oh, Doris is unattractive. That's, you know, that, we don't, we don't need to do that. <laughs> Have that be the main take yeah. away of this of yeah this i guess plot. so <laughs> fair enough so later i guess olivia and jay are at his apartment together and jeremy shows up to warn jay that olivia is just going to break his heart mm-hmm. i guess because she's a beautiful woman who will just move on from one Man, guy to you the know next. dames they just show up <laughs> Yeah. Show up, <laughs> you have a nice, fun sex time, then they use your shower, make you make a Vegemite <laughs> sandwich for them, and then off they go back to another sexual adventure, leaving you heartbroken and wanting fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah, I loved I loved the, the flashback to the 
fried chicken restaurant where Jay almost ends up eating the uh, poor employee who just happens to be dressed as a chicken. I just want a little thigh. You want a piece of me, fat boy? I'll spork your ass! So in addition to this show's uh, rather reductive um, portrayal of women, we also get their rather reductive portrayal of fat people? Yes. Uh, Over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, it's Which, uh, yeah. It, it's it's a crutch of the show and while I I do look upon it with great nostalgic eyes, it does rely on fat jokes specifically as as a crutch throughout throughout the se- the series if I recall correctly and questioning Jay's sexuality. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, those are both um they both run throughout the uh, entire series. I mean, it's it's kind of like a give and take uh, as you get older. It's like, oh, okay, I recognize more of the references. I know who Tony Curtis is, but I also recognize all the problematic elements. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then where? So then where were we here? So, the, oh yeah, so they're at Jay's apartment. Oh yeah, we get this bit where like Jay has to give jeremy and olivia the room so he goes out on the on the balcony and of course jay's luck it it just starts raining as soon as he's out there and oh and he's fresh out of the shower so he doesn't have any clothes on and his towel blows away i mean classic jay like uh, what I, i don't know if there's a like a name for that just like everything bad always happens to him like I just uh, unlucky sad sack, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I was thinking of like, is that like the Mr. Magoo syndrome? But no, that's not quite accurate. It's no, I don't know what it is, but um, but this does remind me of. Uh, so I actually got to interview um, Mike Reese, one of the creators of this show, a few weeks ago. Oh, and, no kidding. Yeah, and uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Check out um, episode 14 of this podcast if you'd like to know more. Anyway, but even he admitted to me, like, you know, I'm not really that big a fan of The Critic. And and I said, (laughs) you know what? That is such a a Jay Sherman thing that even his creator hates him. (laughs) Well, they put him through so much hell. It's it's clear (laughs) that... They they barely like the guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we, that's just hammered home when um, Jay needs to speak to Olivia alone. So Jeremy goes out on the balcony. And, of course, the clouds part and it's uh, perfect sunshine and, and uh, birds land on Jeremy's shoulders. And it's just like it's it's like uh, he's the man for all seasons. Well, it gets even better because as um – a great background gag that kind of that's a great tag to that joke is as Jay and Olivia are having this dramatic like what are we you know do we do we want to go through with this romance conversation in the background you do see Jeremy make out with two with like gorgeous twins right yeah I almost Just, forgot that part to add to add on to the uh, to the okay you're just blessed <laughs> type thing i guess their whole family they're like yeah they just have those really really good genes i guess especially <laughs> especially to get twins to commit incest like that <laughs> uh, in a well it's not quite incest uh, but it's very it's implied i guess yeah like I why know. was that ever a fantasy cuz you would also see that in like 
I don't know, like beer commercials, like yeah. twin women in bikinis and stuff. It's like I want to date twins at the same time. That's why. That's uh, ah. I mean, I yeah. No judgment against polyamory, but polyamory and family. <laughs> I, I yeah, uh, that that yeah. crosses a line for sure. <laughs> But then we get kind of the mirror of this scene where um, Alice is talking to Penny kind of about this, well, about the whole Jay situation. Oh, I like that Penny says it's men are scum week on Ricky Lake. Perhaps more people <laughs> in this uh, show should be watching that. <laughs> but uh, But yeah, she basically, Alice goes inside of her own head and... I guess has a epiphany that, yeah, she really loves Jay, which we kind of all already knew that, but sure, that kind of solidifies it for her. It's it's, it's why she's on the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically, you know, that's kind of that's that's sort of how the writers came up. It's like, oh, we need we need a character to love the schlub that we make. <laughs> oh yeah, um, uh. <laughs> so. So Alice is now, I guess, resolute in her um, desire for Jay. Uh, she talks to Doris about it, and we get we get this like flashback to when um, <laughs> to when Jay had some liposuction that uh, went awry. All the all the fat got crammed into his head, and he turned into a like a carnival, um, not a float, but like you know, a guy in the parade. Yeah, a, a dancing mascot like yeah. presentation <laughs> i i admit i i am not too familiar with carnival i understand so i'm not familiar with the vernacular but jay seemed to be having a fun time so yeah <laughs> that Good huge head him. wasn't uh giving him back problems or anything uh uh cartoon physics friend <laughs> gotta love him right so oh and then uh, she also admits she sent a nude pic to uh, Duke Phillips, and <laughs> Duke nearly has a heart attack upon seeing it. It was weird to see. Well, not weird, but it's but you could definitely tell it's odd because in your head, your contemporary brain, you're like, oh, you know, he flips a cell phone and sees it, but right, no, this is right. pre cell phone, so he's opening an envelope and sees a Polaroid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like um but before sexting there was um uh yeah, the critic kind of called that. Yeah, so that was interesting. Back in my day, we had to use stamps in order to entice a lover. Wow, nude stamps. That sounds interesting. Oh, oh. <laughs> I d I wasn't going there, but maybe we should. Wait, what what did you mean then? Oh, Just I meant like he, they she literally had to take a polaroid of herself stamp an envelope oh i write see. it <laughs> to duke phillips care of network industries or wherever right <laughs> and wait and wait a day and a half to three days in order for him to actually obtain it <laughs> man i was picturing like you put a nude picture of yourself on a stamp and then like use that to uh, stamp the envelope that contains your love letter or something see i like that idea a lot <laughs> I really do, and I wish that were real. Oh, man. I'm going to have to uh, file that idea away. I think that's a million-dollar idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I guess Olivia and Jay are now also at the network. Olivia says she's flying back to Australia tomorrow, uh, which is like 
Oh yeah, when when they when she introduced herself, she said she's like she's there to curate an art gallery or something, and then they never really follow up. Yeah, and then they that. never follow up with it. <laughs> they don't need to give her anything to do other than it's just fine. go after Jay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I did like that. This was just completely random. There the um like the uh, like Jay almost conf- confessing uh his love to or for. Well, when he's got to choose between uh, uh, Olivia or Alice, Queen Latifah just bursts in. Well, I... Baby, I love you the most. And now you got to be straight. Do you love me? Uh, Queen Latifah? Oops, wrong office. And that was actually Queen Latifah doing her own voice as a guest. Really? Yeah, yeah, you could see it. her name in the credits, yeah. I mean, good on her. This was... Uh... And listeners, this was before Queen Latifah was out. So, oh, right. oh my God, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. So, so that's why she's in a cartoon love its love dream. I guess she was on like in real life. Was she on uh, Living Single at this time? I want to say that that uh, there was possible crossover mm-hmm. regarding that. It, it was either during or shortly before or shortly after. I'm gonna say it's either during or after. Right. Probably, yeah, and and um and actually, this is before he appear or she appears in the um fantasy sequence in his head. This is her like actually being in the building, which is weird. Oh, that's right. I spoiled it. <laughs> eh, that's okay. But we go from that to Jay. Uh, you know, he's unsure what to do, so he goes to talk to who else? His dad, uh, Franklin, my favorite character. In the whole goddamn series. Oh, hell yeah. Franklin rules. Um, And uh, he flashes back to when he was, I guess, courting Jay's mom. And it's this extended Popeye uh, parody. <laughs> but instead of spinach, it is a bottle of gin. <laughs> Which I thought was great. And the entire dream sequences ends with an American flag that says, buy booze. Yes. That was awesome. Instead of, like, buy war bonds or whatever. Yeah, my... I, I love Franklin so goddamn much. It was favorite. Do you mind if I share my favorite joke? Probably my favorite joke in the entire critic. Oh, please. It's some form of dinner uh, at Jay's parents' house or some form of gathering. And Franklin gets angry and he says, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times. Who are all you people? <laughs> and it's it got me so much that I, one, remember it 30 well, not mm-hmm. quite 30 years later, but getting there. Yeah, 20-some-odd years. 20-some-odd yeah. years later. And I I can also recall, uh, as a kid growing into college, stealing that bit at dinner parties and such. <laughs> whenever, whenever there was like a tense debate that wasn't a fight by any means, but was getting, but it was like politics or religion or so, something was happening, some form of, Hated debate discussion. It could have been about a movie for all I know. I would interject with something like with that, and it would mostly go with, what the fuck are you doing type reactions, (laughs) because no one else saw the critic but me, apparently. Mm. (laughs) Man, I don't don't even know if even I would have gotten that just by the line alone, because, like, I can't – I don't recall which episode exactly that is from, but that totally sounds like a a Franklin moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so many 
great lines Frank, that Franklin gets over the course of this show. But ultimately, his advice to Jay is, uh, against all odds, is to try the Ricky Lake thing that Alice did. So Franklin was watching Men Are Scum Week. So good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Lake was, again, a very 90s reference and yeah. very popular for the time. <laughs> and apparently sa- saves relationships. Oh, wow. That's cool. I mean, by the, by evidence of this episode, it does. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> and then, so yeah, when we get uh, Jay's uh, kind of fantasy sequence, that is the other celebrity guest of this episode, Ricky Lake doing her own voice. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. On today's show, we'll be looking at Jay Sherman and the people he loves. Uh, so they were actually able to get Ricky Lake, which is pretty cool. And so, yeah, it's this kind of long, like... Yeah, like dream sequence, I guess, where we kind of go through Jay's past. We see his first crush has grown into a uh, a militant feminist lesbian golfer. Because, like, ew, could we possibly conjure anything more despicable, right? Yeah. 90s lens. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we... <laughs> We go from that to uh, the classic Farrah Fawcett poster where she's kind of in the red bathing suit. We see uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Well, partner, it looks like we're on the road to Jay's bladder. Yeah, I hear this cat has a pool-shaped kidney. Man, that's living. I guess because he's he's such a film guy. He sees films even in his crazy fantasies. Um, and then Queen Latifah again. Baby, this is the queen. I dub thee my Earl of Ecstasy. Uh, queen Latifah? Wait a minute. This isn't Denzel Washington's head. Oh, and another person. His ex-wife's lawyer. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Saying that if that in order for her to show up in this dream sequence, or in this daydream sequence, uh, he would have to pay like extra alimony or something like that. Which I thought was, I think, the funny, like, the if if we're going by the rule of threes, you go with the Fair Fawcett poster, the uh, you you go with the ex-wife, and then you go with Queen Latifah, right, <laughs> right, and uh, like I don't think we had seen Jay's ex-wife in this season up till now. She kind of recurs throughout the first season as a very one-note kind of like you know bitch ex character, yeah. Um, so definitely on game, this sort of appearance here. Um, but I think they, after this, they kind of just let her go. Like, we've moved on. Um, we don't need to keep harping on that. But yeah, so uh, basically at the end of this whole sequence... Um, oh yeah, there's the uh, the uh, Casablanca thing uh, where Alice shows up. <gasps> I love you, you bewitching little booger. Alice. Jay is now re- resolute. He chooses Alice, so that leads to <laughs> the scene at the restaurant where Jay dumps Olivia, which is very, uh, like, okay, she cries, but it's not terribly dramatic. No, I was, I was going to say, in fairness, their relationship was like, four days <laughs> right right yes very quick. i mean you could be like oh this sucks and and shed a tear too but you can't be devastated after that one would think yeah i guess yeah there's like definitely not long enough to um really feel the pain of, of letting someone go i guess 
But we don't have to feel that bad for Olivia because she immediately falls for, like, a southern, like, redneck guy who has his pants on backwards. Excuse me, ma'am. My pants seem to be on backwards. Could you zip me up? (laughs) Thank you, ma'am. very sort of force gumpish in a way and yeah i mean this show does have a a a history of kind of uh crapping on like rednecks and hicks and and things like that basically anyone who is not like an east coast uh elitist (laughs) yeah yeah i mean they make fun of those too but they don't but they make fun of them from a hoity-toity standpoint as opposed to they really punch down on southerners yeah. <laughs> on southerners yeah. it's uh and yeah the i did think find it rather funny that he's like could you zip me <laughs> zip yeah. him from the back i'm like okay he'll you'll won me back with with that little thing and good on him he's now in a relationship with some lady for <laughs> so, however long that'll last yeah i i hope they're very happy together um, very happy so jay goes to a screening of quiz show 2 starring mr sweaty guy now mr sweaty guy during the midnight ride of paul revere how many lanterns were there what was the name of his horse who was his partner and was his horse a stallion or a mare and like as soon as i saw this i immediately knew like oh Like, I just saw the the film marquee, and I was like, oh, he's going to fill up the isolation booth with sweat. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty predictable, but... (laughs) They just loved, loved the sweaty guy bit so much they had to bring him back for, like, you know, it's... Maybe it's a meta joke in in the vein of SNL, in the sense of, like, oh, they brought back the same fucking sketch again. And, and maybe that's what's on a higher tier of hilarity. But but as but upon first look and watching it, I'm like, yeah, okay, you did this before, uh, okay. And and I saw that like I didn't even wait. SNL at least waits a week to <laughs> to do another sketch with the character, but it's the same. But it's literally the same thing within twenty. Yeah, two minutes for a third time, which I know there's a rule of threes, but but that's still uh, two more than should. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, luckily that is this is the last we will uh, ever see of uh, Mister Sweaty Guy. Well, he drowned. Yeah, yeah, he uh, completely fills up the isolation booth and yeah, drowns in his own sweat. Gross. Uh, <laughs> but while this is all going on. Jay is uh, reading Alice this, uh, like, poem he wrote for her, which, well, first turns out to be lyrics to the song Super Freak, and then is just this, just kind of kind of simple, saccharine poem, but, it you know, she falls for him, they kiss in the theater, and that's our episode. Well, Brian, <laughs> first off, I hate to correct you, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, okay. He didn't write that poem for her. He wrote that for whenever he falls in love with someone. And he didn't and he wrote that back in 8th grade, which is why he sang Super Freak 
Oh, of course. Because yeah. why it was written on <laughs> notebook paper. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, yeah, this. Okay, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I in a previous episode I did bring up that I once wrote a not a Shakespearean sonnet. It was another type of sonnet. I didn't look up what type it was then. I still haven't, but it was whatever the other type of sonnet is that you learn in English class that isn't the Shakespearean sonnet. I wrote one for a girl when I was in like 10th grade. Oh. And she was not impressed. They never <laughs> so, are. They never are. Uh, no. I but... still write love <laughs> notes and that type of thing to, to people that I, I care for and all that. And and many, uh, uh, they are received well. I will say that. Well, that's nice. Now, because okay. I know what timing is and I know when <laughs> to write them. Yeah. Back, the, back in early days, uh, not so much, not so often. Although, one thing that I thought was pretty cool uh, for this episode that's very special for this episode is for the credits, it's usually Jay just watching a, the movie screen of the credits, and it's just those two kissing, and that was very sweet. Yeah, I, I loved that. And then yeah. at the very end, when the usher comes in, instead of Jay saying some pithy line, it's it's Alice. Excuse me, the show's over. Get away, Pipsqueak. That's why I love her. And ah, that's that's nice. That I love nice. that. <laughs> I did notice one thing in the credits that floored me. Oh uh, yeah, uh, you know? Did you know who? I'm sure you do. It's your podcast. You know who wrote the theme to the critic theme song? Oh, well, uh, was it? Uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, Hans God. Zimmer. Yes, yes, Hans freaking Zimmer, <laughs> uh, the Batman guy. I, you know. The Batman guy, the uh, he, the creator of the Inception noise, the inqu- the <laughs> the creator of the Blom, yes, yes. Oh, I I've heard that like you'll sometimes see things like that, or like you'll see like some really prestigious director will direct like one episode of a show, like like uh, David Fincher directed like the first episode of Mindhunter, and then was just completely hands off for the rest of it. I hear they do that just because they get really nice residuals. Oh, I'm sure. It, it just I, I just found it funny because I had no idea Hans Zimmer ever did television. Yeah. Well, this was, I guess, this was like, yeah, maybe towards the beginning of his career. Like, I think this series kind of started, like, around the same time as, like, Crimson Tide. So yeah, this was ma- probably sense. the last TV show he ever did. Well, it's, it, it's just funny because you see a lot of, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, like Simpson credit crossover between that and the critics. So I was like, oh, right. Alf Clausen, that makes sense and all that. And then I see Hans Zimmer. I'm like, bah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. something. So I learned something new today. Cool. Uh, well, also, let me drop this on you. Well, ha- have you seen a show or a, sorry, a movie called Phantom of the Paradise? I have. It's okay. been a while, but I have. So the uh, the character, uh, I think he's just called Meat in that movie. The guy they kind of bring in to replace what the first guy that gets injured or whatever. Uh, that guy, Garrett Graham, is the voice of Franklin. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> I got it. All right. Now I'm going to have to go like on an IMDb <laughs> hunt and just discover more critic lore. 
Yeah, go for it. I'm gonna. Um, all right, but you can't stop me. <laughs> all right, <laughs> uh, but we're at the end of the episode. Was there anything else in here? Any jokes or anything that you wanted to make sure we covered? Uh, no, I I think we we did a very thorough dissection of of this episode. Like pretty much everything that I wanted to cover in my notes was uh, I either said or you expertly <laughs> covered already. So, awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much for going through this episode with me. Uh, is there anything um, that you would like our audience to check out? Any links, any social media? Let us know. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to this episode and anything that I contributed, please follow me on Twitter at Eric W. Barnes. That's where I just post gripes and <laughs> jokes and stuff about wrestling and where I plug my pluggables for the most part. But I also encourage you to watch a web series that I co-wrote called Look on the Bright Side, where myself and comedian Nat Bamel uh, discuss the worst things on Earth, and they suck, but we point out uh, the few yet important positivities of each thing, such as the coronavirus and, and, our, and America's economy and so on and so forth. Uh, it's done in in love and and in is no way toxically positive but it's uh, that's good but it is but it is um you know optimistic yeah i mean uh so yeah look on the bright side you can uh follow that on look on the bs on twitter and instagram and uh that sh- that should lead you to our first season we are currently working on our second one so yeah brian thank you so much for having me this was a lot of fun Oh, yeah, my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad you're able to do it and we were able to make it happen. Uh, cool. So, yeah, everyone go uh, check that stuff out, and we will see you next week on It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 